Greetings and aloha. Welcome to another edition of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. I am your host, Ronnie Landis, and welcome to another episode in our solo series, our five-part series on the individual topics, themes, deep, deep downloads, and individual episodes coming to you by yours truly. And um, man, we got an episode coming up today here. Uh, What are we on? This is season two, The Life Force Principles, and this is episode three. So today's episode is, uh, it's going to be something that I have, uh, I've talked about many times when it comes to my lectures. I've written extensively in all of my books on this topic. I've gone deep into these themes in my online course, the Holistic Health Mastery Program. And um, I've supported hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of people at this point, um, navigate the diet quandary and the diet terrain, particularly in regards to this topic. And uh, you know what? I was thinking to myself a few moments ago that although I have about, I want to say, 300 plus YouTube videos on my YouTube channel, I've actually held back considerably on a lot of the points and a lot of the perspectives that I have when it pertains to vegetarianism, veganism, and my perspectives on ancestral paleolithic principles uh, pertaining to those kind of dietary ideas. And I think the reason for that is simply because I've observed over the years that social media and uh, YouTube are kind of feeding grounds for what we call trolls and just for people that can just leave all kinds of outlandish, ridiculous comments. Not that I'm straying away from controversy. There's a lot of things that I do put out there that are much more controversial, funny enough. But for some reason, I never really got deep into this particular um, this particular thing in depth, or I never really kept it going very long. Um, as to my real, real opinions when it comes to different things around vegetarianism, veganism, and again, paleolithic diets. I've been interviewed many times on many different podcasts. I have no problem going into this, but for some reason, I think I just never really decided to go there on any one of my platforms via social media. But I wanted to discuss some very important topics and share from my own personal experience and flush out some ideas that I think are very, very important regardless of what type of dietary approach you choose. Um, we talked about in season one, um, which video, which episode was it? It was, it was basically regarding a similar idea. I think it was like ancestral dietary patterns. We talked about a similar idea, but we're actually going to go in a different direction now because this theme, although similar, has different levels to it and different talking points that I think are crucial and important to understand. So we're going to kind of bring all that full circle in this episode and keep it moving with all of the incredible topics that we still have to get into. So uh, I want to just dive into, there's, there's, uh, there's about four main points 
there's you know three or four main things that I really want to get into here with you. And uh, I'll start it off by sharing my personal experience and why I got into vegetarianism, why I got into veganism. I've talked a lot already about my proclivity and my preference in my my love for the raw food lifestyle. So I won't really go too much into that, but as it pertains to vegetarianism and veganism as a lifestyle, and also I want to share a little bit about my experience with more of the paleo diet because I actually have a considerable amount of experience with that myself. And also, um, interestingly enough, I'm one of the few people that is a is a voice and a teacher and a leader in the raw food, vegan, vegetarian world that also has a, t- a tremendous amount of people connected to the, the paleo world and the CrossFit world and the, the different, uh, basically all avenues really when I think about it. And I think the reason for that is because I basically respect other people and I respect their perspectives. I respect their dietary preferences and their lifestyle preferences and their own unique dharmic journey and path. And I never really felt like I needed to impose my beliefs onto other people. And that's one of the reasons that I never I never took on the vegan banner. And this is an important point to to lead with, I think, for me, is that I I, I always I always like in the beginning, you know, when you're getting into being a quote unquote thought leader you're getting known, you're starting to get on the speaking circuit, you write your first book, you're getting into this community, especially with social media. One of the traps early on is that you want to get a lot of attention, right? And so you want to you know, do things that are going to sway a certain fragment of an audience towards you and build a following really, really quickly. Well, for me, although I felt all those feelings, that was never really my agenda, because I'm actually a teacher at the core of my being, at the heart of my being. I'm actually a teacher, and I was a teacher, by the way, a martial arts teacher who actually ran an actual academy and taught hundreds of students. So when I say teacher, I don't mean armchair teacher sitting in front of a computer um, just doing like whatever on social media. I mean like an actual living, breathing teacher of students of all ages so that was built into me. And I think for me, I always just saw the long game. I realized that if I try to wave a particular banner of a diet or a particular, a particular group of people, I am going to pigeonhole myself and I'm going to outgrow that very quickly. And that's kind of what happened with the vegan community because I started noticing just within the vegan community, like the people that like, you know, they put the, the V's, those, those green color V's next to their name and, and, and I'm not like knocking anybody, but what I've noticed the trend in the online world, especially with a lot, not everyone, but a lot of the prominent millennial, particularly vegan proponents, a lot of them get caught closet eating and then they get attacked and bashed by their hundreds of thousands of followers who originally said that they love them. But then they were caught closet eating or they come out and say, you know, I realized for health reasons or whatever the thing was that, you know, I can't sustain a vegan diet right now. And then immediately they get attacked. And I, I, I was watching this and I realized, you know what, like that's not going to be me. 
because I can't say that this is a forever thing for me. I believe in it. I'm ethically aligned with it. I'm morally tied to it. And, um, but I, I can't like raise that banner flag as like this lifelong commitment because I've just, I've been observing that if I ever walk a different path, I'm immediately going to get attacked by all the people that put me on a pedestal. They're going to immediately put me in the pit and that's not love. And I don't want to be part of that. So for me, my brand has always been Ronnie Landis and there's a lot of moving pieces and parts to who Ronnie Landis is. And thank God I never actually tried to don the identity of a particular diet. And it was on my own unique path of finding the truth for myself, finding out, hey, what's really true for me? If I do this, what is the result I get? If I keep doing it, what is the result? And let's keep going with the experiment and keep experimenting, keeping an open mind, entertaining all possibilities, and stay uh, connected to my moral compass that ultimately philosophically guides me towards what feels absolutely in alignment with me physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. That's always been my approach. And it just so happens that the, the predominant amount of my diet over the last decade or so has been by default vegan or vegetarian predominantly. Now, when I first got into the diet world, I'm going to try to make this story pretty quick, but when I first got into the food world, um, I started out with what you would call like a low quality paleo type of diet. It started out by just getting off processed food, learning about organic food, learning about like grass fed organic, or it wasn't even grass fed. It was just like organic chicken breast, you know? And then eventually I learned about raw milk and I kind of just got into it that way. And I started eating more vegetables and started cooking for myself and uh, things that I was not doing before going from pizza to like making my own, you know, chicken, chicken, uh, breasts and, and with vegetables and, and doing that making salmon and stuff like I actually making my own food without a microwave or something, right? Believe it or not, that's how I got started. And then as I upgraded and went along the, the journey and continued to experiment, I went on YouTube University and I got tuned into this idea of vegetarianism. And at that time, I, you know, this is like 12 years ago, at least at that time, I didn't even know that a vegetarian was a real thing. Like, believe it or not, I, I, I knew that people didn't eat meat, but I never really took it seriously. I never attacked it like so many other people do. I just didn't really know it was like a real thing, you know? It just it wasn't part of my paradigm. And then I started entertaining it. And what really tipped me over the edge was that I was trying to heal two major knee surgeries, many years of sports injuries and, and two surgeries. And I was doing really, really well, but I wasn't all the way. And then I came across healing diets. I came across raw food cleansing diets. And I heard about all these amazing stories of people completely healing all kinds of quote unquote incurable conditions. And that is that really caught my attention. I had never heard of such a thing before with food. And it really opened my mind. And then that was the that was the impetus for me to like go into a, an animal product list type of approach, which eventually led me into doing a 30-day experiment with raw veganism. It was basically like, you know, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, fermented foods, green vegetable juice, smoothies, 
and you know filtered water. That was pretty much what I got into at the time. I did a 30-day experiment. I asked myself, what would happen if I did a raw vegan diet for 30 days? I wasn't trying to be a vegan. I wasn't trying to jump into the social media world. I didn't care about that. I just wanted my health back. And I asked myself the question, what would happen if I did this 30-day experiment? Lo and behold, what did happen is that I completely healed my knees to the point where there was no inflammation. I never had to ice my knees ever again, which is a whole story in of itself and what a monumental kind of uh, uh, like achievement that was. Never had to ice my knees again, could go back into training, and I actually completely healed my knees. Basically is what ended up happening and I had an awareness of it and then that completely triggered an, a consciousness awakening within me and that started my journey into where I am today, you know, 11 or 12 years later. So I want to talk about a few of the, the not so much the philosophies, but I want to talk about my entry point into my personal philosophy and, and the way that I think about this now, because I don't want this just just be about my personal opinion and perspective and research and, and that kind of thing. <clears throat> I want to help you understand my thought process and my personal approach and why is this so important to me personally? Um, because there is a reason we do what we do. There's a reason that a certain lifestyle approach is meaningful to us. And there's a reason why it doesn't work or it does work long term. A lot of people get into diets, they get into these different ideas, but they're not emotionally and I would say ethically or morally connected to it. So it doesn't draw them deeper than the, the immediate convenience or the immediate desire of whatever they want to achieve with the diet. Um, it doesn't draw them deeper into themselves. And for me, this was not just a food path. This was an access point for a spiritual path, which is exactly what my heart and soul was crying for at the time. And, you know, funny enough, this became the entry point for it. So for me, food is not a religion. Food is a great, um, you know, it's a great path, but it makes a horrible religion, you know, dogma, fundamentalism, religious kind of ideals and stuff. They have no place when it comes to diet. It's a completely different domain, but your diet has to do with <clears throat> with maybe particular religious or faith or spiritual based approach to life. There is a major connection there. And that's the first place I want to talk about because that's really <clears throat> what drew me in after I had that healing experience. Um I wanted to go deeper into this. I was completely baffled, transformed, surprised by what had happened and I knew I had to go deeper so I started researching everything I could and there were three books that completely changed my paradigm and helped me make that transition into doing this full time and really adopting the philosophy and the lifestyle as an integrated piece of the an integrated life path basically and what led me into becoming a speaker myself. So the three books that really changed my life were A Diet for a New America by John Robbins and The Sun Food Diet Success System by David Wolf and Spiritual Nutrition by Dr. Gabriel Cousins. I'm not going to go too much into more detail. We got other things to talk about. <clears throat> Excuse me. But those three books 
really were the cornerstone for changing my paradigm and helping me see beyond just the food, but helping me see that there was a spiritual path and there were universal principles embedded in this path. And there was a higher calling or a higher way of life that I could experience if I followed this particular lifestyle. And the particular lifestyle around vegetarianism and veganism and the idea of the ahimsa, which is doing no harm to others or sentient beings, and also doing no harm to ourselves in the process. And I just really connected to that. And I thought to myself, you know, we've eaten enough animal cadavers and carcasses and and, you know, we've killed enough. We've done this whole, we live in a culture of death. And we have used murder and death and killing as a way of life for too long. And we've adapted to that. We have habituated to that. I felt it inside of myself. And I realized I need to make a fundamental change because the energy and the vibration that I felt from that chicken or that meat that I was consuming, organic and grass-fed, nonetheless, I no longer, it was no longer a resonant match with what was occurring within me. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. So I had to just make that commitment and shift over. And those books really, really inspired me. And they are the foundation for my philosophical perspective, even all the way to this day. So I want to make sure that I mention those. Now, Let's move forward. Now that I talked a little bit about my story, let's speed up all the way to, you know, throughout my journey and where we are now. I want to talk about three particular things that are very important when we talk about vegetarianism, veganism, and ancestral paleolithic diets, and really the universal principles that are more aligned than misaligned. The principles of these three approaches are actually more aligned than not aligned. And one of the principles is a return back to nature. Ultimately, a food path, if it is truly to be sustainable, it is truly to be transformative, there's a spiritual component to it. It has to lead us back to nature. It has to lead us closer and closer to nature by the by the the energy of the food and the path and the teachings that it bestows upon us, it has to drive us closer to nature. Otherwise, it's, um, you know, it's, it's superficial, basically. It's not going to get us to where we need to go. And so I want to share a few things to demystify a few um, common misconceptions. And hopefully this will just help you in architecting the blueprint for your unique path. And your unique path is subject to change as you change. One of the principles that I've taught for many years is that your psychology and your biology, your psychology and your foodology are directly tied to each other. And if you if your food habits, your dietary practices and strategies if they stay the same over many years, chances are that you as a as a psychological being are the same. You haven't changed your ideas. You haven't upgraded your perspectives or paradigms and are not willing to experiment outside of the comfortable little box that you've pigeonholed yourself into. And that's what I've seen with so many people, particularly in the overt vegan world. And I say that as somebody who has been 
an advocate and who has tried to be an advocate for veganism, but has been challenged by the mass amount of vegans, unfortunately. And my friend David Wolf, you know, who was one of the one of the original inspired inspirers of mine, and now he's he's a good friend of mine. He has a great saying, which is that there's nothing wrong with veganism, but there's a lot of things wrong with vegans. And, uh, you know, after I laughed out loud when I heard that, I, I felt the truth in that. And, and by the way, I, I hope not to offend anybody that's listening to this. Um, it's a very weird place for me to be and to say that publicly, but it is true. Um, it doesn't mean that if you listening to this and you're vegan, something's wrong with you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying generally speaking within the community of vegan and vegetarianism, but particularly veganism, there is way too much judgment. There's way too much shaming, blaming, and directing one's own unreconciled issues of anger and vitriol and projecting that and directing that to people that don't think like them, not, not even just meat eaters, but vegetarians too, projecting onto vegetarians that, hey, you're not good enough. You're not pure enough. You eat cheese, you eat eggs, you oh man, you you are there's something wrong with you. You're you're not you're not good enough. That's the message that goes out. People that act like that, whether it was veganism or something else, they actually give veganism a a horrible name. And those are the people that I I just really I I hope that there's a lot of healing that goes on with them and I understand where that attitude comes from because a lot of these people were actually wounded. A lot of them had abuse growing up. They maybe they they weren't popular in school. They had some some emotional stuff, and they never dealt with it. And when they find out about factory farming, they find out about the atrocities going on, and they actually find that they can relate to those animals that are being tortured, slaughtered, and abused. They can relate to them better than they can other human beings. And all of a sudden, that person that maybe wasn't very courageous. They all of a sudden find a sense of courage. They find empowerment in being a voice for the voiceless, being a voice for these animals that really don't have a voice, don't have a choice. And I get that. And that's the that's the compassion that I have. But it's also not an excuse to abuse other humans because as humans, we are mammalian beings. We are highly intelligent, well-developed, you know, neurologically developed mammalian creatures and so this idea of you know animal husband or animal abuse i mean it doesn't just end with four-legged animals right or animals in the sea it has to extend to human animals because we humans are the ones making all the decisions so we have to exercise compassion and 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 um respect and cooperation if we if we want to support and influence all of our brothers and sisters to take on more of a conscious, harmonious, integral type of lifestyle. All right, that's my soapbox. I feel like I just needed to get all of that out of me, man, because I don't talk about that very often, and it's something that you know, it, it irks me sometimes. And uh, I hope that lands for you. I hope you get where I'm coming from. I hope that makes sense. Let's get into the uh, the avocado and cucumber meat and potatoes, avocado and cucumber, get it? Let's get into the bulk of this this conversation. So I want to first start talking about blood type diets. 
So one of the things I got into about seven years ago was the whole idea of blood type diets. And the original blood type diets comes from this guy, Dr. Dia Domino. And uh, he wrote an entire composium of these, you know, all these blood type diets, you know, and it really is, you know, when I really think about it, it's like completely ridiculous. Um, and I want to go deeper into this because I'm not going to leave it there as if like blood type doesn't play a part. Those books don't make sense, though. Those Diodominos blood type books, they don't make any sense and they're not scientifically backed up. That is an important point. Those blood type books are just as good as blood type astrology and actually doesn't give you any real real discernment about how does the blood type play into lifestyle habits and, and your dietary preferences. There's some good information in there, but when it comes to the food, like so many of these different dietary books and, and all these programs, when it comes to the actual food advice, it's horrendous. It's, it's ridiculous, and it's actually confused so many people. Now, I'm going get to into, get into that because I actually studied the science behind blood type diets, and there is an amazing book that is that is actually scientifically based and it's not it's not paleolithically biased those blood type books by diadominos they're basically just another way to to get you to eat a less toxic version of a standard american diet and then they then they they expanded it out into like you know whatever eight or ten books or something and then just drew it out you know they just created a fat out of it basically it's a trend it's not really backed up. Now, there is an amazing book on blood type diets called The The Answer Is In Your Blood Type. The book is called The Answer Is In Your Blood Type. I read this about seven years ago. Blew me away. I was like, thank you. Some actual information on this phenomenon of blood types. Now, let me break a few things down for you. I have a video on YouTube called uh, – what's the video called? It is – does the blood type theory make sense? <laughs> so I go deeper into this, but let me just let me just share a few points that is so important to make. Now, in those blood type books that the Diadominos and all that stuff, they tell you that blood type O's are hunter gatherers and they subsist mostly on high protein diets, which of course means that they're meat-based diets, right? If it has anything to do with protein, it must mean meat, right? <laughs> okay, well, that's basically what they tell you. And then, you know, people come up to me. They don't do it so much anymore, but before they would, you know, talk about like, well, I have to eat meat because I'm a blood type O and, and all this. And it's like, okay, here's what the actual science says in the, the answers in your blood type, which is actually more favorable towards vegetarianism and they actually put real historical anthropological documentation into that book, which the Diadominos books does not do by any stretch. They actually show you real ancestral indigenous dietary habits based on reality, not on fantasy. So what they tell you is that blood type O's are not meat-based eaters. They predominantly subsist on a higher fat an amino acid-based diet. So what does that mean? That means that if you have a blood type O, um, you are a blood type O, O positive, O negative, then you are going to do better on a fat-burning 
type of diet, which also means that you're most likely a fast oxidizer in metabolic typing. What that means too in a blood chemistry level is that blood type O's have the thinnest amount of blood. What this means is that their blood does not coagulate very easily. They produce the highest amount of hydrochloric acid, otherwise known as stomach acid, so they're able to incinerate heavier, denser, more fatty, protein-rich types of food than, let's say, blood type A's. This distinction is extremely important because it doesn't actually say that blood type O's are meat-based eaters. They're predominantly fat burners, fat metabolizers, and also protein dominant, right? So that means that they, they, they thrive predominantly on lower amounts of carbs. Now, that may or may not be true, but from a biological level, they can get away with more indiscretions than other blood types, particularly blood type A. Now, I want to th further make a point which, is, which, which ties this together. David Wolf pointed this out in his book, The, D the Sun Food Diet Success System, in his idea on blood types. He pointed out this idea, and then he said that um, he knew of three prominent vegan and raw food promoters that had been raw foodists and vegans for 20 to 30, even 40 years successfully, and they were blood type O's. Now, David Wolf is a blood type O. Dr. Gabriel Cousins is a blood type O. Dr. Brian Clement, who runs the Hippocrates Center for Healing in Florida, is a blood type O. Now, I apologize for name dropping or anything like that, but this is just a fact. And this comes out of the book anyways. Now, I know another blood type O. His name is Lou Corona. Lou Corona has been a raw foodist and like a full-on raw foodist for at least 40 years, and he's one of the healthiest, most fit 60-plus, mid-60-year-old people I've ever met. Gabriel Cousins is the same. Um, they're blood typos. And you know what's also interesting about all those men? They all tend to be more fat-based metabolizers. They all tend to be on more of a high-fat-based type of diet, or at least at one point in their journey, they were. I can't say for where they're at now. Um, and sprouted nuts and seeds and high-protein foods like spirulina, um, algaes, you know, things of that nature. I find that very fascinating because when we look at blood type A's, there is clear science that that book, The Answers in Your Blood Type, actually points out that if you're a blood type A and you try to be a meat eater, you could be cutting your life expectancy by 25%. So a quarter of your life, your potential lifespan, could actually be shortened by eating um, a heavy amount of meat as a blood type A. Now, the reason for that is because blood type A's, their blood thickens and coagulates a lot quicker because they do not produce the same amount of hydrochloric acid as a blood type O, so they cannot get away with as much indiscretions in their food eating and food combining as somebody who's a blood type O. If you're a blood type A, if you eat a vegetarian or even vegan type of diet, 
you are going to be more metabolically in alignment. You're probably going to be more of a carbohydrate dominant type of um, metabolizer, and um, you are going to you're going to thrive on a on a well balanced, well put together vegan or vegetarian or raw food type of diet. So that right there is a huge distinction. I haven't heard anybody in the in in either one of these camps talk about that. So there you go, guys. Super important point right there. Now I want to talk a little bit about vegetarian diets, vegan diets, paleo diets. Um, I don't want to get into really all the different diets here. What I want to do is tie these things all together. Now I think it's probably important for people to have an experience in all of these different camps at some point in their life. Um, and that's a journey you have to make for yourself because ultimately this is about experimentation and integration and investigation. Investigation, experimentation, integration, right? These are the principles that will align you to what is going to be your most ideal path. Um, and you got to be a researcher. You got to be a, a student, not only of your own experience, but you got to be a student of the different dietary paths, the different vegetarian diets. You know, what makes a vegetarian diet different than a vegan diet is that a vegetarian diet is inclusive of certain animal products, particularly dairy products. And there can be, I think, is it lacto ovo vegetarian? Is you, you eat eggs? That could be a little incorrect. I haven't been in that terminology in a couple of years, but something a lot like that. You know, you might include eggs periodically, bee products. There's also vegan, which I think is essential. I think we need to get over the bee product issue. If you're a vegan, you have an issue with bee products. I think you just need to get over it. Just get over it. Trust me. Um, it's actually better to include bee products, ethically harvested organic bee products, than to not. Yeah, I'm not even going to get into that argument. Um, and then if you're going to be a vegan, then one of the things I want to say to you is that you've got to know where the holes are and you've got to know where your unique metabolism is. The worst thing that you can be in this, in this diet world is an uneducated vegan. And it does feel like I'm picking on veganism. I'm not. But I've seen too many things go awry for people that just weren't properly balanced they weren't properly educated, and they didn't understand the different components that are playing out when it comes to neurotransmitter production, and then certain vegans not producing the right neurotransmitters, uh, not getting the right amino acids in a biologically available form, and then they, um, they, they, they become actually suicidal. I've seen that, or they become depressed or sad or melancholy. Um, they can't quite get their, their emotions together, and that also influences the whole, like, militia type of archetype of the, the angry vegan, sometimes that can be sorted out by getting the right source of protein and fats into your diet, even if temporarily going off the reservation and getting some animal products in so you can come back to being, you know, back to veganism as a whole vegan, not a depleted, weak vegan, right? If you're going to represent this movement, do it from a place of power. Or don't do it at all until you get into your power because you're going to give it a bad name. And I don't mean you, the listener. Don't don't take it. I'm just speaking as if I'm speaking to that person. So please don't take it personal. But if we're going to represent any of these, these dietary 
pass, we got to do it with integrity. We got to do it with congruency and we got to do it with power, right? Because people out there are confused. There's so many people out in the world that are confused. They don't know what to do. People are conflicting. They're arguing. My diet's better than this diet. Look, we got to drop all that nonsense and we got to get into like alignment with what's good for us. And we got to represent that. And we got to represent possibilities and give people options. That's really what is needed more than ever now. So going into the paleo diet idea, the one thing I want to say about paleo diets is that, you know, the good thing about it is that it's really an elimination type of diet for most people and it's an easy bridge and transition. Now, it's not the end-all be-all and I think that a lot of the paleo ideas um, are, are really more fantastical, Flintstonian type of thinking. Um, they're not based on reality in terms of like where this all comes from or let's eat like our ancestors and stuff. But but the good thing about it in practical terms is that it does help lead a lot of people out of the city like matrix and does connect them to farmers markets and to, you know, to the butchers and to people that are actually, you know, butchering the animal. Not Obviously, I'm not into that, but hey, look, it's going on, right? So it's better to know where the food comes from, where those animals come from, how they were procured, the whole, the whole life cycle, getting connected to the life cycle is super important. It's life changing and changes your consciousness and changes the level of respect and reverence that you have to that piece of food on the plate. It is elimination diet. So it helps eliminate the major allergens that are plaguing people. Um, And there's a lot of great things to be said about it. The one thing about paleo diets is it doesn't really factor in cleansing and detoxification cycles. So what I would say to people that are in that that world is that <clears throat> if you've never done an authentic cleanse, you, you'd probably be really in a good place to start doing protein cycling, doing meat cycling, cycling in and out of it, and experiencing a month without meat products, animal products altogether, if you can get on a well-balanced um, high living food, preferably kind of vegetarian, vegan type of diet. And also, you know, it's for a lot of people, I think they need to spend at least one or two years off animal products altogether. So they know the difference. So you clean out the system and you can return back to whatever you want to do with the highest quality building material. And you're actually more, you you know, you have that experience. So you know what works best for you ultimately in the long run. So the last thing I want to get into here is just a principle that I think is a guiding light. It's a North Star in all this, which is short-term healing and therapeutic diets, i.e. cleansing, detoxing, healing diets. And then medium, the medium path would be um, medium-term rebuilding diets. After we've cleansed and detoxed and we've, we've gone through a healing process, a recovery process, and we've cleaned out the foundation, now we can start moving into rebuilding the body from the bottom up. So the building materials, what are going to be my building materials that I'm going to start rebuilding my physical frame, my organs, my digestive system, my microbiome, my cells, my brain and nervous system material, my hormones, how am I going to rebuild this physical body, right? That's that's that. And then long term is what is going to be my sustainability approach? What have I integrated after I've investigated, I've experimented, and I've, I've 
integrated after a long enough time, what is going to be my ultimate long-term sustainable lifestyle, which can change, but there's going to be a foundation that you build through the rebuilding process. You're going to figure out what works for you now that your body's been cleaned out. It's more sensitive. You're more intuitive. You're more in touch with your gut instinct. You can feel what works, what doesn't work. Um, you don't have so much mucus buildup that's insulating your nerves, so you can't really sense if something is agitating you or not. Um, your immune system is working properly, all that stuff, right? What is going to work for me long term? And it's most likely for most people, it's going to be a hybrid of all the different things that we mentioned between vegetarianism. Sometimes you're going to be in a phase of your life where vegetarianism is going to be appropriate. Other times you're going to be in a phase Maybe in summer, for example, where veganism, all plants, is going to be appropriate. Maybe it's going to be all raw food or high raw food, right? And then there might be other cycles, particularly in the winter, I would, may, I would, I would imagine for most people, where more of a paleo approach integrated with the principles of vegan and vegetarianism and raw foods is integrated and particularly integrating the principles of tonic herbalism like we've talked about before. So now you're operating not as a vegan or as a vegetarian or as a paleo diet person, but you're operating as an integrated, holistic health practitioner of your own health first and foremost. You have all the pieces of the puzzle. You're not compartmentalized in one little one little box, but you know what to do and you have enough puzzles in your tool enough tools in the toolbox to know what season am I in and what do I need at this point in my life cycle and I'm also adaptable to changes as well. So short-term healing and therapeutic diets, cleansing, detoxing, medium-term rebuilding type of diets and then long-term sustainability lifestyles. So that's everything I wanted to share with you in this episode. So many things that I've been wanting to just get off my chest and just get out there for so long. I hope you enjoyed this. I really got personal. I just kind of let myself go with this one. And um, I hope it landed for you. No matter where you subscribe, where you land on the whole diet thing, it doesn't matter to me. As long as you find out what works for you and you're, you're authentic and honest about it and um, you maximize your own self-optimization and you're not operating from dogma, but you're operating from self-liberation and you're helping other people do the same and find out what works best for them. So I'm going to leave you off on that. Thank you so much for joining me on this deep dive, and I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode.